Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and I invite you to join us as we go through the Bible in this edition of Shi'ar Jeshub. My husband, Greg Scalzo, is the pastor of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. And we have been listening to a series of sermons he delivered at our Sunday services on heavenly authority. In this in-depth series, Pastor Greg goes through the scriptures so that we may have a better understanding of the source and nature of authority in both the Old and New Testament. We are currently in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 11, in the section where Ahijah, the prophet, tells Jeroboam that God will tear ten of the twelve tribes of Israel away from Solomon's house and give them to him. The division in Israel was because of Solomon's sin of idolatry, building worship sites for his many pagan wives, and it would result in the separate kingdoms of northern Israel and southern Judah. When we left off, Pastor was discussing the dynamics that would result in Israel's history and how Messiah would be the reconciliation of the north-south split. Before we go into the sermon, remember to visit our website for serious Bible study at www.shiarjashub.org. Here is Pastor Greg Scalzo. You have this tension between the north and the south. The king of Judah, the son of David... And yet, what does it tell us about the northern kingdom in Isaiah chapter 9? Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 1. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Zebulun and Naphtali. You know what is in Zebulun? Nazareth. In those areas, you have Nazareth, you have Galilee. And afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan and Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light, those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. So you have birth, Bethlehem, ministry, final ministry, Jerusalem. He is the king of Judah, the son of David, and yet he is the preeminent one of the north. What is he called? Jesus of Nazareth, right? Zebulun. The land of Zebulun will see a great light. So a king comes out of the north, but he's a king who's born in the south. In Bethlehem, Jesus is the unifier of this north-south division that you have. And then you read in verse 40, Solomon therefore sought to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam arose and fled to Egypt to Shishak, the king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. So Solomon must hear of this. He must hear about the prophet giving the word of God to Jeroboam. And kind of like Saul with David, right? He tries to kill him. Now Saul couldn't kill David, his father. Why does Solomon, with all his power, think he's going to kill Jeroboam when God has proclaimed it? You can't. Stop the will of God Almighty, right? 
Where does Jeroboam run? He runs to Egypt with Shishak. And if you remember, the whole slide down of Solomon starts when he marries Pharaoh's daughter because he wants this political treaty. And how is this political treaty availed him when his enemy, in quotes, Jeroboam, his key adversary now in his mind, finds sanctuary in Egypt. So that contract he made that set him on a course of idolatry didn't really benefit him even in a natural human political sense. One other quick thing. If we go ahead to, in uh, First Kings, you read then about the death of Solomon. We did that last week. I won't repeat it. But look at the corresponding, the sister section in Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 9 and verse 29. Now, the rest of the Acts of Solomon, first and last, are they not written in the book of Nathan, the prophet? In the prophecy of who? Ahijah, the Shilonite, right? This is the man we just were speaking about, the prophet who tore his new garment. And in the visions of Iddo, the seer, concerning Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel 40 years. Then Solomon rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David, his father, and Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his place. So we spoke several weeks back about how First and Second Kings, which is really one book, and First and Second Chronicles, which again really is one book. It's an unnatural division we have here because when they went from the scrolls to the books, they had to divide them up. But how they were compiled later on, centuries later, the compilation we spoke about, Ezra, we spoke about, uh, the theory about Jeremiah. But here is the source material. The compilation is done later on. And that's why these books bring you right down to the time of the captivity. The compilation is done later on, but the source material, who is the source material from? The contemporaneous prophets, right? Like Ahijah, like Nathan. So really, these are books of the prophets that then prophets of centuries later, like Ezra, would then put together and compile for the people. Okay. The north-south situation, both are still his people. Both are still Israel, southern Judah, northern Israel. But something is wrong with them. They're sick with sin, right? There's apostasy. When you have the king of Judah, who you've given wisdom and wealth to, building high places to gods that sacrifice children, there's gross error. And this disunion is God's way of dealing with it. It's clear it's the will of God. It's not God's will that they should be broken up. His will is that they should be united, right? That was the whole purpose of this odyssey we've gone on to build on the Saul, the David, and the Solomon, the kingdom of Israel. It's not his heart's desire will, but given their gross sin, it's his conditional will that to deal with the gross sin, the union must be broken. And you know, we see a parallel in this in U.S. history, if you think about it. And we see a parallel in this, more important to our study here in Heavenly Authority, to the church and church history and the splits in church history. You know, we have the one big split in Christendom, actually the split between the Greek Orthodox and the Catholic Church and the Catholic and the Protestant churches, and then you have all the millions of splits that come off of that. 
But you see it in church history. We are called as a people to be united. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now what he's saying that is he's saying, look, I want you to be politically right. Just come together, agree on something that you all can agree on. Let it be democratic and don't have any arguments among you. No, he's not saying that. When he says the same mind, what do we know from the rest of the scripture? He's speaking about the mind of who? The mind of Christ. He wants them all to have the mind of Christ, be doing God's will, and there be no divisions among you. That's God's perfect plan for the church. One body with Jesus Christ as the head. Not political ecumenicalism, but true union in the one who rules us, Jesus Christ. That's the will of God. He wants us to be united in the truth. Right. We're called to be united. But when heresies come in, when abominations come in, when idolatry comes in, when error comes in, there are times that God has no choice but to allow and even cause the vision that in the end the truth might be preserved. That the truth may be refound if it was lost. And the church is humbled even as Israel. The church is crippled even as Israel. The church is split apart even as Israel in hopes that the church becomes repentant and can be brought back together under Jesus Christ in the truth. And, you know, we'll see later on that it doesn't necessarily mean that when this division happens that all one side has the truth, right? Because Jeroboam's sins and his errors are going to dwarf Solomon. But in this environment of error, of division, of north and south, what will happen? True prophets of God will speak, will correct, will rebuke, and by the Holy Spirit be anointed to write down and to teach not just their generation, but many generations thereafter, us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17, when he's really annoyed at the division, even at the communion table, he says, uh, Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. If you're going to have error, which causes division, well, then you need to see who's right and who's wrong. So that the people can say, well, this is the right way, this is the wrong way. You can't just have error run free and no one show themselves approved. There is a purpose for division conditionally in God's will based upon man's sin. Not his heart's desire. We know where he wants us, right? One body, one Lord. But it is a fact of God's judgment giving the fact of our sin even when we're his people. Even when you have a Solomon, the king of Israel, who divides his loyalty between God and idols, God will divide his kingdom. 
when the church divides her loyalty between Jesus Christ and the world, God will divide his church that the truth might be seen. And Lord willing, we'll, we'll talk more about this next week. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the scriptures, for your holy word, Father God, for the, the clarity you give us in your word of all the things that go on in life that you paint so beautifully in history and in the writings of those prophets that we have come down to us over the centuries, that we begin to get glimpses, Father, into how things work, how you work, how the church works, how the church should work, and why things haven't always gone the way they should have. Father, have mercy upon your people, your chosen people, all Israel, Father, your physical Israel, your spiritual Israel, Lord, and we long for the day of union, Father, under your one king who is undivided in his loyalty to you, Jesus the Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. You can visit our website at www.shiarjashub.org. The website has an archive of Bible study programs with in-depth analysis as well as anointed preaching. You will also find information about our church. And Pastor Greg is regularly adding written messages for the church today. From topics on Christian responsibility to what the Bible says about capitalism to creation science, we believe you will find the commentaries both educational and inspiring. The address again is www.shear-jashub.org. May the Lord bless you as you serve him.